0: This is HR in Review, a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice and all the latest developments in human resource management.
1: Compliance is a critical function of the HR department. HR is tasked with making sure that hiring practices, workplace rules, treatment of employees and a variety of other factors all comply with relevant laws. Hi, this is Bill Bannon. I'm your guest host today of this episode of the HR in Review podcast. And in today's pod, we're going to talk environment, social and governance issues, also known as ESG, compliance. And we're going to suggest some ways that one's compliance reporting platform can lift the load and open up new insights. My awesome guest today is Scott Lane, founder and CEO over at Speaky, a group focused on transforming compliance hotlines and other compliance areas using AI technologies. By the way, Speaky is also a player in the compliance certifications and compliance auditing, sphere, and one of the few bodies accredited by ISO for certifications under the ISO 37001 anti-bribery standard. Hey, Scott, welcome to the HR in Review show.
2: Thanks very much. Thanks for having me.
1: So, Scott, beyond my reintroduction there, why don't you start by taking a minute or two and telling our listeners all about yourself and the mission of Speaky.
2: Sure. Well, Speaky is a software company that really focuses on ESG and helping companies understand how to get the value out of ESG. We started out a few years ago looking at the governance aspects of ESG and have very quickly expanded our services into covering a lot of the social elements and also now expanding into environmental. My background is a lawyer. I've come at this from a very legal compliance certifications audit review. Uh, process, And we're now looking at how we can actually get the value of those things so that we can really help companies um, contribute to ESG, make the world a better place, and at the same time get some value for their stakeholders.
0: Why not subscribe to the premium version of HR and Review? You'll get ad-free content, early and extra episodes and more. Even better, although it's the premium edition, it's absolutely free. Sign up at hrreview.co.uk podcast.
1: So, Scott, your focus is on environment, social and governance, the ESG initiatives. Can you now talk us through what that landscape of ESG looks like and and what it means to the layperson?
2: Sure. I mean, everyone's heard about ESG over the last few years and it's become very topical as we hear people talking about it in the press. And we hear companies talk about their ESG ratings or their ESG initiatives. So it can be three very simple letters, uh, environmental, social, and governance. But when you break it down, it's far more complex. And so to the layperson, it's really about taking three elements, environmental, social, and governance, and thinking about how those three large topics, if they're practiced and we implement programs around them, how they can actually help you and your business run. So let me give you some examples. So environmental social governance is a mixture of words, but underneath that is quite a lot of sub-areas. So, for example, environmental, you might look at things like waste management or climate stability or innovating the energy usage in your company. On the social side, you're thinking about how to manage people and human rights and diversity and equity and inclusion, health and safety. And on the governance side, you're really thinking about how you run the organization from a corporate governance perspective, ethics, integrity, risk management, transparency, and of course, whistleblowing. So at its very simple level, ESG is a collection of issues that together represent quite a diverse path across a company, and how you manage those ESG issues can really make a difference to both your company and the planet. Okay, thank you. And we'll get into this later on, I I expect, but um, at a very
1: basic level, Scott, for now, um, why should leaders care? Is it, my understanding is uh, for, I mean, amongst other reasons, uh, but if you just want to break it down in terms of money, uh, frankly, um, if if you apply or if you comply to the right ESG initiatives, then you're much more likely to be able to attract new stakeholders and keep your current stakeholders happy. Is is that correct?
2: It is correct. When you look at ESG at the 40,000 foot level, it's very hard to equate value. Uh, There has been some value at a high level ESG perspective because where ESG started, which was finance companies and investors saying they wanted companies that they invest in to have a focus on their environmental standards. And so companies that wanted to attract investment really focused on how do they make themselves more attractive to these investors. And so the whole ESG concept kind of came about. So the initial value was simply to make yourself more attractive so that you could gain investment. And what we've seen over the last five to 10 years has been, well, that's one way of making yourself uh, more attractive for investment, but what about making yourself more attractive for employees or partners or suppliers or your value chain? And so now ESG is moving into thinking about that value proposition for other stakeholders, not just investors, but now thinking about, the impact on those other stakeholders and especially employees because we've seen in the last five years that both employees and customers, they have a choice. They have a choice whether they deal with your organization or they work for you or they work for somebody else. And so companies need to build those ESG programs so that they not only attract talent but keep talent I mean, people want to work for an organisation that values them. People want to work for an organisation where they've got great diversity and inclusion programmes. They want to work where there's an environment that's free from harassment, that's free from bullying. They want to work with a company that invests in the community and the society that they operate in. I mean, these are basic fundamental things that people expect. The difference is now... Is that people have got a choice? They have a choice in a very uh, low unemployment environment. They have a choice of where to work, and they want to work in places which make them feel good, provide for them, and provide for the planet. And that's why ASG is taking on such a different approach than where it started.
0: This edition of HR in Review is a special guest episode brought to you in partnership with our friends at the North American-based HR Chat Podcast, a podcast focused on interviews with HR, talent and tech experts.
1: How can we begin to build companies and workforces that are rich in integrity and with a common set of of shared values?
2: Well, firstly, the most important thing is to recognise that you have got the the will and the interest to do so. You know, some companies look at these initiatives because they are short-term thinking and they're looking for a quick win. And I think when you're investing in these sorts of programs, you have to acknowledge that it's going to take some time to build the sort of ESG programs that underpin ESG. And that's because a lot of it is not about policies and procedures and quick wins. A lot of ESG is about behaviours and it's about building a culture. It's a culture around how do we treat people? How do we support people in their employment? How do we provide an environment for them that's safe, that's diverse, that values their information and protects their positions from unequal dealing, from either race or gender? So it takes a lot of time to build these things. So the first thing I would recommend is that companies really think through the commitment that they have, and whether or not they truly want to invest in these sorts of initiatives, because it will take require required time and it will take resources to be effective. So the first stop is make sure that you've got that commitment and that buy-in from management to really build something that's important. And then it's about, like most things in business, it's about setting a goal, working out where you are now, and then building that path towards where you want to get to recognizing that it's going to take multiple years and it's going to be a progressive increase over time and building that pathway so that you take people along the journey with you so that the employees are bought in, they are part of the solution and they together build the programs with management so that you've got that guaranteed commitment and buy-in from all employees for that that common shared vision or goal of building a company with some great ESG initiatives.
0: If you enjoy the HR and Review podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. This helps others find us and grow our community of HR and related professionals.
1: Okay, sounds great, but what's the what's the single biggest obstacle to, to get him buy-in from from employees then? Is it it just education around the importance of of ESG? Is that that it? Is that the challenge? Is it it about communicating the why?
2: There's definitely challenges um, in communication. Uh, The employee's are pretty much bought in, I think. I think every company's employees will say, oh, yes, of course we want to work in a a company that doesn't discriminate. We want to work in a place that's free from harassment. We want to work in a place that's safe and protects us and allows us to grow. So I think the employees are definitely bought in. What's lacking at the moment is management's ability to articulate ESG to its stakeholders, including employees because it hasn't taken the time to break ESG down into both E, S, and G, and then sub-break it down again into other aspects of each of those, and then build programs. You know, these things don't happen automatically. You don't click your fingers and say, you know, we have gender equality or we have diversity. It's great to put that paragraph onto a website, but, without a program behind it, without the 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 technology and the controls and the systems behind it and the buy in and the behavioral change unless you're building all of those things, then it's just words on a website. So the biggest obstacle is companies recognizing that it's not about putting words on a website it's about affecting behavioral change in the organization, and that takes some resource, it takes time, and it really takes commitment from both managers and the employees to get to that position where they can stand back and say, we're improving, you know, we're getting better, we, we know where we are, we know where we need to get to, and we're on a path.
0: If you have any comments on the HR and Review podcast, would like to suggest a topic or speaker, or provide other feedback, you can contact us using the email podcast at hreview.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you.
1: Last year, Speaky surveyed global compliance officers to assess what their thoughts were on the the value of compliance to a business. The the survey found that only around 20% of participants effectively map against business goals, with the remaining 80% attempting to align their goals with the business, but doing so pretty poorly, actually. Um, Maybe you can share what you think can happen to performance when goals are not mapped against the business correctly, or in fact, in some cases, even at all.
2: Yeah, well, the the good thing about ESG, and the reason that I tend to focus a lot more on ESG now and helping companies build programs and understand them, is that ESG really forces you to look at your stakeholders and say, what do our stakeholders expect of us as an organization? And what that does is it, it really places the role of a stakeholder directly in the eyes of management and says, we need to build this company thinking about our stakeholders, not thinking about us, but thinking about our stakeholders. So standing in the shoes of our stakeholders, or even better, looking through our stakeholders' eyes back towards the organization and saying, what is this organization doing to help us? So the impact of that means that as companies start to think about their stakeholders a little bit differently, they start to say to themselves, well, who are our stakeholders? And we always think of the standard stakeholders, customers, employees, but now companies are thinking a little bit broader and thinking, well, we operate within a community, we operate within a society. So we need to be thinking about our community, our people, our employees, our suppliers, our partners, our distribution chain, but we also need to think about a few other stakeholders that are typically ignored and have been ignored for the last 50 years, and that stakeholder is the planet. So as we think about all the other elements that we need to think about, we're now putting the planet as a stakeholder. And what that does is it's shifting people's perspective on when they're building these programs, thinking about their stakeholders first and thinking about how do they provide a solution and how do they make the the life of their stakeholders and the way that the stakeholders engage with the company, how do they make that better? So when looked at through that lens, you're very much thinking about a business lens operating within a community on a planet. You're not thinking about what the laws and regulations are that you need to comply with. So from a compliance perspective, there's a shift from people to stop thinking about laws and obligations and commitments under regular regulations and thinking about well, what are the laws and expectations and what are the best practices that our stakeholders expect of us. And so therefore it shifts people's thinking into more of a business community planet thinking than it does about complying with the law thinking and that's really what the value of esg is to most companies
1: uh so for all those hiring managers out there make sure that you that you've got those answers in place to to explain how uh, how your company is contributing to the bigger picture uh to, to environmental issues as well because uh, chances are people are going to be asking you more and more as they're looking to align with your potential employer brand hey scott um let's talk a bit about uh, the employer voice how can companies build an ecosystem where people feel comfortable raising issues without any fear of retaliation?
2: Well, it's one of the hardest things to do, I think, is to really engage people and to do what Speaky recommends, which is to hear all voices. And to hear all voices means you've got to be hearing them, but you've also got to be listening to them, meaning you've got to be able to provide mechanisms by which people can talk to you. And those mechanisms can be very simple ones, the classic open-door policy, which many companies say they have, but I'm not convinced that they really do have, but also provide them with mechanisms where they can engage with you, Uh, messaging tools and anonymous reporting tools, but also enable them to feel comfortable to talk about things openly. So we have a lot of clients that do focus groups and they do integrity days or ESG dialogues and they have you know lunch and learn sessions or they have uh, sessions where they talk about some of the issues in the workplace and how to solve some of these big challenges that, that are just systemic within large organisations. So part of it is creating a, a learning environment, but part of it is also creating a listening environment. And a listening environment is where the companies and their management really do listen to their people. And listening means it's a two-way thing. You don't just listen. You have to solicit people to speak up and to speak out about issues. And it takes a lot of work. It's not a matter of sitting back and waiting for someone to report something you know, that's very 1980s stuff. These days, the world is working too fast. And with social media, you need to be actively cultivating those voices and actively listening and encouraging people, giving them a free place, a comfortable place to to discuss challenging issues that are affecting them or their workplace. So that takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of managerial skill. And a lot of focus on giving that safe environment for people. And if you haven't invested in that safe environment, then it's going to be very tough to encourage people to speak up. So focusing on that safe environment, focusing on those areas where you can provide a place for people to feel safe, and that often comes down to whether they trust you and your management to have their back, to protect them if they raise issues that management may not like. So there's a behavioral issue there. There's a managerial issue. There's a feedback issue. There's a uh, a reporting technical type issue of, of giving people a space. But most importantly, it's making sure that you have the systems and the procedures in place not to retaliate against people. Now, everyone says that you know, we would we would never retaliate against someone who raised an issue. But unfortunately, history suggests that the majority of people who do raise significant issues in companies don't last very long in the company. They either are forced to leave or they leave themselves, but they typically leave. So that's sad. So companies need to be able to build that environment and it will take a little bit of resource, a little bit of time and a lot of management commitment.
1: Okay. Uh, You mentioned just a moment ago that you've got to have uh, the right reporting uh, platform, the right right reporting infrastructure in place, of course. So um, uh, maybe as a little bit of a summary of what we spoke about so far today um, and and any other insights you want to add, what what are some of your top tips for using a compliance reporting platform to
2: drive value? Well, a couple of top tips are if you want people to speak out, Then you've got to make a safe environment. So the first rule is to build that safe environment where people can speak out, and a lot of it is about building trust and and that non retaliation type concept and procedures. So assuming you've got that, then you need to be able to have them actually communicate to you and being comfortable to do so. So then we look at well, what are the communication tools that you have as an organization to enable people to interact with you? And so most people. Probably these days are not going to walk into someone's office. Firstly, most companies are still either hybrid or working from home. So the concept of walking into someone's office is, is pretty uh, old school. In the new world, people are going to text, they're going to use tools like WhatsApp or a messaging system, and they're going to send you comments or information or thoughts or observations or feedback. So providing them with the tools in order to do that in a way that's safe. In a way that's potentially anonymous for those that wish to remain anonymous. And giving a tool that not only allows them to report in one language, but multiple languages. People should be able to report in their local language. So if they're overseas or away from their home country, they should be able to report in their local language. And you as an organization needs to work on how to deal with that. So providing the tools is pretty key. It's an important system and it's something that you need to do in a way that really encourages everyone to speak up. It's got to be simple. It's got to be effective. It's got to be multi-language. It's got to be anonymous. It's got to be, frankly, app-based. If it's not app-based on your phone these days, frankly, it's not going to get used. So a real focus on technology is key. The second thing is people may report things and they may not. However, what we do see is that people may report things just on social media. They may not tell you, the company, that there's a problem or that they see misconduct or they're concerned about something, but they will go and tell their friends on Facebook or their friends on Twitter, or they'll tell make a comment on LinkedIn, or they'll they'll say something in an open forum on social media. So what we are seeing now is companies are really focused on how do we monitor our social presence, how do we listen? to our social media that the company is engaged in so that it can also use that as a source of information. So if people are not prepared to report something directly to the company, but they talk about it in social media, how do we capture that? You know, How do we capture that information? So thinking about social listening and tools that you know, we use at Speaky for clients that really listen to social media and give them a heads up when we're seeing trending on certain issues... Uh, you know it may be an issue around gender equality or maybe complaints that we're seeing around health and safety in the workforce, or those sorts of issues are may not be by themselves a big issue, but combined with all the other information you know starts to set a trend. The third thing I talk about is gathering information and feedback you know companies over the last 50 years have used surveys and surveys have typically been associated with product quality or website usage, etc. Surveys are a fantastic tool. Surveys in the modern era are much shorter, they're much faster. And what they typically do is test sentiment. You know, they're testing someone's sentiment as to whether someone is happy or unhappy, whether they like or dislike. They're that sentiment analysis that you can get from a good survey question and a good tool is actually really valuable because it will start to tell you how somebody feels rather than give you an answer to a question. That feeling or that sentiment that you can get from some of these surveys is actually really valuable in an ESG concept because we, as we said at the start, ESG isn't black and white it's a lot of it is about behaviours and changing the behaviours of the company and its people. So as a result, that sentiment analysis and understanding how people feel is really important. So those three things are the areas that I would focus on, you know, the messaging piece and creating that environment, also the social media monitoring piece, and also the sentiment and survey piece are three key tools that you can build to get that data set and to get that knowledge so that people feel comfortable to report up in whatever way they feel that is appropriate or necessary for them in whatever language they like, in whatever technical means that they like, the company should be able to handle it. Amazing. Thank you very much.
1: Okay. So next couple of questions for you. Scott are questions that we ask of all of our guests on the HR in review pod. Um and the next one I'm gonna challenge you to answer in one minute or less sir and the question is as follows if you could pass on one crucial lesson that you've learned in your career what would your top tip be for HR professionals
2: well my top tip for HR professionals is the same as my top tip for any professional which is to get on with it and what that means is these things are not going to go away they're only going to get more complex the sooner that you start it the better the sooner that you start on that journey the better so it's not Uh, going to be any easier the longer that you leave it so my number one message would be get on with it
1: I wasn't expecting that but that's that's a a great answer I love it (laughs) okay Um, next one for you is what is the single biggest change that you think will happen in HR over the next five to ten years
2: The biggest change that I think is the expectations of our employees. I think they're going to require us as managers to provide, frankly, all the things that we've talked about around ESG. They expect us to provide a safe environment. They expect us to protect them. They expect us to run an organization that is diverse, that has solid, equitable principles. They expect us to create an inclusive environment. They expect us to think about not only our employees, but the way in which we engage with our suppliers' employees, human rights and modern-day slavery, and the way that we interact with our communities. All of our employees expect this now as a baseline. And so if the number one message would be over the five to 10 years is that those expectations are here today, That, that is the expectation. Of most of the new generation which are entering the workforce. So as as leaders, we we better recognize that quickly and we better move ahead with some of these S in ESG initiatives because that is going to define a successful organization in the next five to ten years.
1: Perfect. And just finally for today, Scott, how can our listeners connect with you and how can they learn more about all the cool things happening over at Speaky?
2: Well, the best way to connect with us is firstly through our website or through social media. So speaky.com includes a very detailed organization uh, structure and it talks all about the initiatives that we have and some of the products we have. And of course, anyone in my team or myself are very happy to chat people through how to kick off ESG initiatives, how to think about social and how to build an environment that is very clear for your stakeholders. That. You're an inclusive environment where people can speak up. We encourage it. We like it. We love the feedback. We hear all voices. And together, we can actually build a better business. So, speaky.com or follow us on LinkedIn is the best way to get in touch. Awesome. Well, that just leaves me to say for
1: today, Scott Lane, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of the HR in Review show.
2: Thanks very much, Bill. Thanks for having us.
0: The HR in Review podcast is brought to you by hreview.co.uk hrreview.co.uk is a website dedicated to human resources and related professionals. News items are posted daily together with analysis looking in-depth at topical HR issues. You can sign up for our range of specialist newsletters at hrreview.co.uk slash sign up and follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for listening.